This special presentation of Earth 295's award-winning documentary, The Age of Apocalypse, is brought to you by the Janet Van Dyne Foundation for This One's for Hank, with financial support from Patreon backers, and additional support from viewers like you. If you'd like to know more about Multiversal Q, visit us at multiversalq.com, or engage with us on social medias in all universes. Enjoy. Episode 2 Flight of the Horsemen For over a century on this island, Lady Liberty welcomed the wretched refuse of the world, lighting the promise of a new world. But no longer. Now Liberty's generous countenance has been replaced by the stern and fearsome visage of Apocalypse. A warning to the world that his America offers no succor to the homeless and tempest-tossed. Mr. Sinister. Apocalypse had chosen to surround himself with horsemen, the strongest mutants whose will and motives were bent to his own with genetic manipulation and often mind control. But as survival of the fittest was the law of the land, the horsemen quarreled and warred with one another until Apocalypse condensed his force to four members. His son, Holocaust, Abyss, who had killed his predecessor, the master geneticist, Mr. Sinister, and Mikhail Rasputin. Mikhail Rasputin was the fourth horseman and was by far the furthest away from Apocalypse, though his disappearances had become commonplace during the final months of Apocalypse's empire. The closeness of Sinister served as a point of contrast with Mikhail, as Sinister lived and worked in a massive statue of Apocalypse that surveyed what had once been New York City. Sinister's sudden disappearance was of little concern to Apocalypse, but it was an ignition point for the rivalry between the Summers brothers. Scott was very much a figure who did not find pleasure in hurting the humans, and this often raised the ire of Alex, who... Being the jealous person who he was, he took out his anger on him. And the more that you saw the two brothers, you saw this polarity between the brothers where Scott was one of Apocalypse's chosen. He was charismatic, but he was strong. He understood the rules of the world, but he was not afraid to question them, which is an important thing to have for leaders, which I... I think may have been why Apocalypse enjoyed keeping Sinister along so much, and his brother, meanwhile, hated that while he followed the rules, he didn't have any of the appreciation. He was hated, he was distrusted, he was looked down on. And when his brother got privileges, it just made Alex even more furious. When Sinister's disappearance was noted by Scott... Apocalypse resolutely promoted him to take charge of Sinister's slave pens with the chance that he would become a horseman down the line. 
When Scott continued his own investigation with the Bedlam brothers, he found no more answers to the location of his surrogate father. Alex Summers, resenting Sinister's preferential treatment, instead went to retreat at heaven to nurse his pain and enjoy the company of the human singer, Scarlett McKenzie. Shortly after, Sinister's lab mysteriously exploded, leveling the Statue of Apocalypse and removing all hopes of finding Sinister. Weapon X. This is war, Gene. Don't you understand? This is about killing the enemy before it kills us. You do what you have to do. Weapon X. His name was Logan, and he was changed by the Weapon X program, the Canadian spin-off of the World War II Super Soldier program. In the experiment, his skeleton was coated with adamantium that had affected his memory and left him prone to berserker rages. Ultimately, though, he was a force who helped to rout Apocalypse during the Cape Citadel attack. Now you see, Weapon X, there was an angry man. Didn't matter if he was trying to fight Apocalypse's men or even the X-Men themselves. If he needed to, he would pop his claw in order to try and kill as many people as possible. The only person who could ever try to tame that beast's heart was the love of his life, Jean Grey. Years later, during an unapproved attempt to save Jean Grey, a... A psychic, whom Sinister had deemed to be an alpha-status mutant, things went awry. As a result, Weapon X lost an arm in a fight with Scott Summers, but paid him back by removing Scott's eye. By removing one of Scott's eyes. Magnus and Weapon X's resulting clash over his actions resulted in him and Gene leaving the team. After that, as free agents, the pair made their way from Jod Job ultimately delivering a message from Sinister to the Human High Council. During their mission, a resulting battle with Alex Summers left a massive hole within the seawall itself, allowing the Human High Council to send in a fleet of Sentinels to rescue refugees in America. Reporting back to the Council, Weapon X argued for them to bomb the country sooner, especially after an attack by another mutant nearly destroyed their headquarters. A place called heaven. The Cajun came in. I've made a note for Shan to count the silverware before he leaves. Warren Worthington III. Warren Worthington III's heaven was an escape from the world of Apocalypse, a classy nightclub for the well-to-do humans and mutants alike, as well as a place to move everything from money to secrets between the Empire. His employees were spies, a fact Warren was well aware of and that he was untroubled by. Secrets were more lucrative than drinks. Fine. The mutant, Shai Khoi Man, worked as the nightclub operator, removing any knowledge that would be found to be illegal from the guests. And Scarlett McKenzie, his nightly entertainment, worked for the Human High Council, while maintaining a romance with Alex Summers, a public scandal that could have resulted in both of their deaths. While it survived brawls, bombings, and some of history's worst monsters visiting for a drink, the neutrality of the establishment became its downfall, as the spies began to be found out, and the importance of his ability to spread messages brought an end to Apocalypse's willingness to look the other way. Warren Worthington is such an interesting figure, because he, he definitely benefited from Apocalypse's empire, but he also benefited from, well, everyone, I mean. 
when Magneto was attempting to reassemble his team, Gambit came to Warren to find where the X-Men were located. But, like, at the same time, he was spreading out rumors of the upcoming war that the Human High Council was planning with Scott Summers. And then, the very next day, when Kurt Darkholm came, Warren was a person who, after a fair deal of aggression, told Kurt how to get to the ghost dance. It was corrupt, but unlike the rest of the world, there was a faint glimmer of class that was able to balance it out. The Cullings. Apocalypse doesn't intend to settle with the Human Council. He's merely placating them before he can destroy every last one of them. I refuse to halt my work because of some shallow pretense of reconciliation with the Human Council. My work is exponentially more important than this diplomatic charade. Henry McCoy. Despite the promises of the Kelly Pact, Apocalypse had truthfully made no efforts to stop the murderous campaigns of his loyalists. Word of a calling approaching Chicago brought one team of X-Men to the ruins of the Windy City, led by Rogue and Sabretooth. Meanwhile, stories of a rescue fleet sent by the Human High Council brought swarms of humans to Booth Bay Harbor in Maine. An act of hope that even if the rumors had proved false, stood to undermine Apocalypse, and so for the protection of those humans, a second team of X-Men, led by Magneto's eldest son, Pietro Maximoff, was sent. Yeah, see, there's just a huge difference between these two teams. Quicksilver, he just led his team for perfection and preciseness. Always practicing all of his moves to try to make sure that every single mission they could ever go on went off without a hitch. Whereas Rogues, Rogues had the more colorful team with huge brutes such with Sabretooth, but she also had the crazily unpredictable members such as the comedian Morph and the childlike Clarice Ferguson or Blink. Rogues' team had arrived in Chicago with an incredibly dangerous mission, halting Holocaust and its forces while the rest of the team assisted with the evacuation. Sabretooth and Wildchild, a pharaoh mutant who had bonded to Creed, would be teleported to confront Holocaust directly. But, when the pair were teleported to his general vicinity, they stumbled on an infinite processing plant. Wildchild was immediately sent to tell the others, while Sabretooth single-handedly faced off against Holocaust and his platoon of infinites. Meanwhile, Quicksilver's team had a major issue to deal with, the Sentinels. They were robots originally designed by Bolivar Trask to hunt and kill mutants, though they had been reprogrammed as the plans to permanently eradicate mutants became more and more unlikely. Due to the break in the seawall created by Weapon X and Jean Grey, a squadron of the robots had been sent to airlift out the human population. While the team had trained and prepared to reprogram the Sentinels to recognize them as enemies, their efforts were undone by a group of Apocalypse's loyalists known as the Brotherhood of Chaos, who were accompanied by a group of the Madri. During the fight against the Sentinels and the Brotherhood, two members of the Brotherhood of Chaos escaped, slipping into the crowd and leaving with the refugees. Ultimately, though, despite further meddlings from the Horsemen Abyss, the X-Men were able to defeat their enemies and even collaborate with the Sentinels to ensure safe passage for the human refugees for the time being. 
across space. Seems old Eric be needing someone to steal the biggest jewel in all the universe. And who else to turn to when something needs to be pinched but us? Remy LeBeau. After his fallout with Magneto, Remy LeBeau had transitioned himself into becoming a mutant Robin Hood, taking from the powerful and giving to the needy. Joined by Lila Cheney, a former rock star, Guido Carosella, her former roadie, as well as Jubilation Lee and Roberta de Costa, mutant teenagers, they quickly made names for themselves as the Externals. While Gambit pretended to have a relationship with Lila, his heart still pined for Rogue. So the opportunity to be a hero by collecting a shard of the Emkren crystal jumped out. Guided by Magneto, the team infiltrated Apocalypse's crashed ship and with the help from human scientist Peter Corbeau, awoke Lila Cheney's previously untapped power to teleport. Heading into territory known as Shi'ar space, unfortunately the team was followed by Moodyer Richter, one of the few Madrak cult members who was not a clone of Jamie Madrox, a dedicated and deranged individual. Moodyer Richter is a very interesting figure. I want to say, based on the records that we've been able to get from Apocalypse's ruins, there were about five members of the Madrai who themselves were not clones of Madrox. And Moodyer Richter had such amazing power that it, it's hard to say why he was not a member of the Infinites or one of the other groups, though it may be due to his instability. He was a very vain and unhinged person who would find himself dedicated to goals and completing them without necessarily being aware of the consequences of what he did. Sent across the universe, they found themselves facing a group of aliens, representing the remnants of the Shi'ar, an alien dynasty whose empire had been infected by a parasitic race known as the Brood. The externals worked to escape, eventually running across Jonath, a Shi'ar rebel who had explained the state of the Emkran crystal. The Shi'ar Emperor, the Ken, had betrayed his older sister, Deathbird, usurping the throne from her and once in power had tampered with the Emkran crystal, which due to the tampering now threatened to wipe all of reality out of existence. Meanwhile, Richter aligned himself with the Shi'ar Imperial Guard in exchange for the promise that he would be allowed to return to Earth with the externals as his prisoners. But as the plans were made, the planet blinked from existence, and a wave of energy from the crystal transmuted the entire planet and those on it into solid crystal. The Ghost Dance What we do is a variant of the Ghost Dance religion, practiced by our people. We believe that if each of us dance long enough, with enough passion, then the creator would wipe the white man out and each of us killed by whites would be reborn. Now, we dance for the erasure of apocalypse from our land. John Proudstar. Kurt Darkhelm, also known as the Nightcrawler, was sent by Magneto to retrieve his mother, Raven Darkhelm, also known as Mystique. Deeply attached to the idea of his mother's perfection and heroism as a trafficker of refugees, we quickly found those ideals spoiled by the words from Warren Worthington III and John Proudstar, who knew her to be much shrewder, a woman who was more likely to extort 
or murder her passengers, then bring them to Avalon. John Proudstar, a Native American mutant, controlled the first step to Avalon, a trip that was known as the Infernal Gallop. Through the members of his church, known as the Ghost Dance, he shuttled people into a submarine connected through the old warehouse where his assembly met. During Kurt's trip, the submarine Excalibur, which was far too old for use, was forced to rise in the Antarctic. When a nearby ship arrived to assist, the passengers found themselves forced to give their belongings to Callisto, the captain of the freighter, who then moved them into the ballast tanks, promising that it would protect them from any scanning, before she dropped them into the ocean, killing them instantly. Kurt, who had teleported away when they were forced to rise to the surface, began exacting his revenge by picking off members of the crew individually before he faced Callisto herself. The fight was brought to an end, though, with the appearance of Mystique, who had come to bring her son to the next step of the Infernal Gallop. Meanwhile, unknown to him, Kurt's movements were being watched closely by Apocalypse's spies, and so Apocalypse deployed a contingent of assassins known as the Pale Riders who followed closely behind the Dark Homes. Back in New York, the Ghost Dance and the members of the Infernal Gallop were brutally slaughtered by the Madurai. for listening to episode 2 of Multiversal Q's presentation of Earth 257's The Age of Apocalypse. Please come back tomorrow night for part 3 of the five-part series. Now stay tuned for a roundtable discussion on how bullshit the Earth numbering system is, Marvel vs. DC.